Decaf coffee is not real coffee, for those wondering. It's decaf. It's less than coffee, but it's still a blessing with my breakfast bar in the morning. So Pentecost Sunday, so 50 days after Passover, so Jesus is, he lives the life we could never live. He died the death we all deserved to give us a life we could never earn. That's the gospel. Amen. It's unbelievable good news. So after he's crucified, dead, buried, three days later, the, the disciples show up, led by the hosts of women, the, uh, the, you know, Mary, and he's not there. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? The ultimate question ever asked. <laughs> he's not here. He's risen, just like he said he would. And over the period of 50, 40 days, Jesus appeared, and I love Acts chapter 1, 1 through 2. He presented many convincing proofs that he was really alive. One of my favorite proofs is he ate a meal. You know, I'm starting to get questions these days about the age to come for my children. And I love the confidence I have in answering the question, are we going to eat and feast in the age to come? I said, open your Bible to Isaiah 25 and 26, where there is a mountain with a feast of aged meats and fine wines, fatty, my Australian friend John, fatty meat. I don't know how to do Australian. There's an Australian in the house. How do you say fatty meats? Fatty meats. And so for 40 days between Passover, when Christ was crucified, buried, dead, resurrected, 40 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples, and he went out of his way to teach them how to read the Bible in light of his life, death, and resurrection. He gave them brand new lenses to read their scriptures. All of this points to me. Say that with me. All of this pointed to me. And I, was, I couldn't imagine that crash course on the Emmaus Road and then when he was sharing a meal in Luke 24. And then if that's not cool enough, for the next 40 days, the resurrected Jesus hangs out with his disciples and he's giving them an extra credit course called teaching on the kingdom of God. So 40 days, he's teaching them about what the world looks like when Christ is central, when he's reigning, when he's ruling, when his presence is animating and empowering his people to practice the way of their king. So he's teaching and he's imparting instructions about life in the kingdom. Jesus knew it was for their benefit that he was about to ascend 40 days later to go and to be our intercessor at the right hand of the Father in the glory in heaven where he's contending, like Drew just said, contending that his people, Jew, Gentile, young and old, male and female of every tribe and trunk, would walk in the fullness of the purposes of God as revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is interceding. He's contending right now. He's not a passive man. Just, I hope they figure it out. I hope the church figures it out. I hope they get around to like doing my mission stuff, you know, discipling people and praying for the sick and being good to the poor. He's contending. He is a man of intercession. He's, he's, he's Moses 2.0, 10.0, and million point oh. He's on the highest plane, just like Exodus 17, when Moses was interceding over Israel with Aaron and Ur at his right and left. As long as his hands were raised, Israel was winning. And I want you to know, Jesus' hands are raised over his people in this hour. He is contending and interceding for us to tap into his heart for us and his heart for the world. And those two things will keep us all the way until we bow our knees before his resurrected feet when we see him on the great white throne of judgment. He's able to keep, his, he's able to keep us. Just say that. He's able to keep me. And principally, the way he keeps us today is because of Pentecost Sunday. 
There is a resurrected real man with resurrected skin and bone. He still has the wounds because the disciples were able to identify him. There's a real person named Jesus literally in a place at the right hand of the Father in heaven. The only reason we know that man is because the Holy Spirit revealed him to us. Beloved, Pentecost Sunday is essential where God sends the indwelling presence of himself. How many are thankful for the indwelling spirit? The reason I know Jesus is because the spirit of Jesus is on the inside of me. The only reason I can interact with him and have dialogue and communion and friendship, and the only, the only reason that's possible is because of the person and work that was released on the planet at Pentecost. When it wasn't just a few that got to go up a mountain, but when a whole room got baptized in the reality of God's fiery presence. How many believe we need the same thing they needed then? Come Holy Spirit. That's the message, so let's pray. That's just, I, I'm kidding, I have so many slides. <laughs> I probably just preached 30 of them in the intro. I love Jesus so much, you guys. He's so good. Ezekiel lit my heart on fire last night in the middle, middle of the night. Oh, the army that's rising in this hour. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we feel our culture tearing at its seams, do we not? How many believe it's, it's, time, it's not time to, to run, to scurry, and to hide. It's time to step into the upper room again and say, Holy Spirit, we need a baptism of power and boldness and fire. Because as the darkness feels like a thick, unbearable blanket, your glory is going to arise and shine on a people submitted to the lordship of your son, Jesus. So as the darkness increases, the light will be all the more shiny. Come Holy Spirit. So Pentecost Sunday was the festival 50 days after Passover, as I shared, where they would celebrate the end of barley season and the first fruits of wheat season called the Feast of Weeks or the, or the Harvest Festival or, or the Feast of Harvest, this beautiful festival that really celebrated the first fruits. And how prophetic is it that on Pentecost Sunday, the first fruits of those who respond to the apostolic gospel are born into the kingdom of God and 3,000 are added in one day. Talk about a first fruits gathering into God's household. And that's why I believe it's time for God, like, like Pastor Andrew said, for, for God to give us a new vision of the things we're contending and praying for. We serve a God of Ephesians 3, 19 and 20 who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Why not believe for more, beloved? Why not believe for more? No word from God, Antonio, will ever fail. Every word that comes forth from his mouth and his heart, he will accomplish the purpose with which it was sent. So this is Pentecost. They're waiting. They were specifically told to wait for the power. How many have ever gotten into trouble in their life because you went out in your own strength instead of waiting for the power of God? I mean, I would wonder, what would happen if we just waited together, catered meals, obviously, <laughs> for 10 days until the Holy Spirit showed up? Here's the thing, guys. We're in such a hurry. We don't have time to wait. 
And I wonder, not in an ounce of pharisaical legalism, but I wonder how many of us have appropriately waited for the endowment of power from on high. Come, Holy Spirit. I need you. I I long for you. Some of you are facing things that you do not have the inner resources in your own strength to get through them. You need power from on high. God has a precedent for empowering a people who are willing to wait until he responds from heaven. He has a precedent, a biblical precedent and a historical precedent of people just like us who refuse to move on until the cloud descends and the fire falls. And we are empowered for the fresh purpose that he's calling us into. How many believe there is a fresh purpose for his church in 2023? There is a fresh purpose for believers on the Central Coast in 2023. A fresh, I didn't say new, is probably gonna be old, like the purposes he's always been about, but they're gonna be new to us because it comes with new anointing and new power, new clarity about how we fit into the redemptive storyline. How many believe that the author and pioneer and perfecter of faith's redemptive storyline has a place for you in that story and its epic unfolding in our time? Who wants to be like ink or like the quill in the master's hand and to just say, Lord, I don't care where I fit in the story. I just want to participate in it. This is Pentecost Sunday where it wasn't the few. It was the all who got swept up into God's storyline. And it's time. It's time for God to visit us again and for every believer to get caught up in his story that he's writing. How many believe that Christianity now, post-cross resurrection and Pentecost, it's not for a select few, it's for the many who are willing to be a vessel that the Lord can wield for his righteous purposes in the earth. It's for all of us and all of our shapes and sizes and various callings and vocations. Pentecost Sunday is God saying, all of you get to play in what I'm doing in the earth. All of you. So, okay, (laughs) what is Pentecost all about? I'm just going to give you a few biblical reasons why it's significant. I've already kind of wet your palate very briefly. But one of my favorite things about Pentecost is there are very few things, oddly, that all four Gospels record together. Now, the Gospels don't tell different stories. They're just told from a different vantage point, from different authors, with a different agenda, honestly, with a different audience in mind. But one of the things that all four gospel writers tell us is that the Messiah, who is greater than John the Baptist, will baptize his people in Holy Spirit fire. Many of us don't understand that being a very essential ministry of Jesus. We love the cross, and oh, I love the cross. I love talking about the blood of Jesus and the covenant that he made with us and his broken body and spilled blood. That's amazing. But how many believe, well, um, let me tell you, I read this book, beautiful book by a, guy called, by a guy called John Mark Ruthven, and he said this, that the blood of Jesus was the ratification or the stamp of the new covenant, but the new covenant is the Holy Spirit for every believer. So how many, say this with me, the blood of Jesus ratified God's new arrangement for all of his people, which is... Holy Spirit for everyone. Do you see that? The blood of, don't, don't repeat after me now. Jesus' blood, he lived in the power of the Spirit all of his days. In his life and lifestyle and ministry, he says, it's not just for me, Father. It's going to be for all of my sons and daughters now that I'm going to pay the cost for their redemption. Do you see that? 
So all of the gospel writers principally said, Jesus, yes, he's the lamb who's going to take away the sin of the world, but he's going to do more. Isn't that awesome? He's going to do more. He's going to immerse people in the reality that he walked in, which, name, which is a man energized, animated, and empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Woo! Okay, move on. So after I already shared this, so I'm going to skip it. He talked about the kingdom, and then he said, don't leave. Everyone say that, don't leave. Wait for the gift of my Father. Wouldn't it be a bummer if God the Father right now has gifts for us, even in this room, but we weren't willing to wait for them? How many are good at holding gifts back? This is confession time. I'm the worst. You, I have to buy the gift the day of, or I'll give it to the person I buy it for the day I buy it, even if it's 10 days out. Do I have any other people who just can't resist? I just, when I think about God waiting, making the upper room disciples wait for 10 days, I can't imagine what the dialogue of father and son are, are doing in the heavenlies. Now, no, make them wait a little longer. It's going to be worth the wait. They didn't know. They were just told to wait until the gift came. Ah, Father, now, no, wait, just so they're, they're, they're getting close. Their tenderness, their repentance to each other, they're saying sorry for all their pride and arrogance throughout my ministry. They're figuring it out. They're like saying sorry for not believing Mary and Martha, for seeing Jesus. We're sorry. We know it was, well, I don't know. Just imagine the dialogue within the Godhead, within the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. They're like, okay, I'm ready. Okay, I'm going. They're waiting. They've been good. They're faithful. And I don't know, I don't know in the epic story, in the epic brilliant mind of God, but when the time came, God poured out the promise and he gave the gift of the Holy Spirit. You need the Spirit. You will receive power. Say it with me. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. You need power. Again, I just I gave you all the references. I'll I'll put these notes later. Let's just keep flipping through. But there's all the gospel references that share the same idea that the Messiah will come and baptize with Holy Spirit and fire. This is his ministry. He's going to live and model life perfectly aligned with the Father and as a an instrument he can wield for his kingdom righteous purposes and he's going to model that so that we will know how to follow in his footsteps. Did you know the greatest flattery a person can receive is to be imitated? And we're called in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Did you know we're actually called to mimic? That's what it literally means, to imitate God's own life as revealed in his son. But we're going to need the Holy Spirit. He tells them to wait for power. And not only does he promise to give power, he promises to come to them that they will no longer be orphans. Imagine you're following this dude for three and a half years, dude being Jesus the king. So no disrespect to me, Jesus. You're following for three and a half years, and then he drops the bomb on you towards the end of that ministry. I'm going to die, and I'm going to leave and ascend back to the Father but don't worry, you're not going to be orphans. I'm going to send another advocate who's just like me, my Holy Spirit. So he promises them presence and indwelling. You will not be orphans, he said, but the Spirit who I'll send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of all that I taught. I will not leave you as orphans. 
And then Jesus tells us it's not just him who's sending the Spirit, it's a joint effort, Father and Son sending the Spirit. Let me tell you something about how cool that is. As if it's not cool enough that it's the Father who wants to give the Spirit. They're so, Father and Son are so committed, they're like, this is a joint gift from both of us to you. Just imagine the value that Father and Son are like, this is going to be so good for you that I'm leaving We cannot wait to give you the gift that the Son operated in, but all of you are now going to have access to if you simply open your heart and receive and respond to his epic invitation to become a temple of his presence. Father and Son are going to send the indwelling Spirit. And Jesus said, it's for your good that I leave. If I don't go, he won't come. I'm going to send the Advocate What's an advocate? One who goes to bat for you. One who stands at the ready at your defense. The literal language is like in, in, a, in a field of battle, someone who's, who's tied to your back if you're in battle. That's your advocate. How many are thankful for an advocate? Uh, <laughs> who's got your rear? He's fighting for you. He's your advocate. He's a comforter. We need the Holy Spirit. It's for your benefit. If I don't go, he won't come. But if I do go, I'll send the indwelling advocate. All of this was fulfilled at Pentecost. Pastor Andrew read it. When the day of Pentecost came, they all together in one place, the sound of the blowing violent wind came from heaven. They were all, they were, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Read this verse four with me. I love this part. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I love that it's for everyone. The the gift of the Holy Spirit is for every person. How many many are thankful that God's just like, you all are going to need him, and guess what? He's for all of you, his presence. Number two, why is Pentecost so significant? Because the law of God was written on now redeemed, transformed hearts. It says this, this is uh, one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in, say that with me, in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbors, say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me. In my mind, on my heart, they'll all know me. Woo! From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their sins and remember their, forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. It's significant in the intertestamental period between Old Testament and New, Pentecost also became synonymous or a memorial celebration of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, which is like the most epic day in Israel's storyline as they're delivered from Exodus. They come to the mountain and God descends in fire and glory and he, he basically weds himself to a people. It's a marriage ceremony. Yahweh t- claims a people for his own. He says, you're going to be for me a kingdom of priests. Out of all the people of the nations, you are my chosen and treasured ones. And he enters into this unbelievable covenant with Israel. And the events in the upper room are meant to draw us back to Exodus 19, but not leave us there, take us further into God's heart and purpose. What happened in the first giving of the law is the fire came, the smoke, there was rumbling, it was violent, they trembled, they were freaked out. Look what they say. 
Uh, I think I have it in here. I promise somewhere. Oh, here's the original audience. Look at this. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and the smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed, hear that, they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself. We will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. So that first, the giving of the law, which became in, 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 in Jewish times, in Jesus' time, Pentecost was the celebration of the giving of the law. But the giving of the law terrified everybody. Ugh, the fire, the smoke. The, the. So Luke, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the unfolding of God's storyline, is showing the superiority. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The law is amazing. Romans 7, the law is good, it's right, it's holy, it's perfect. And you know what it's perfect at doing? Revealing how utterly sinful we are and how much we need a a supreme, sufficient Savior. How many believe the law does that very well? But the law cannot bring us into righteousness. It can only point us to our need for righteousness. So catch this out, why I love Pentecost so much those prophetic promises of Ezekiel 11 and Ezekiel 36 and then Jeremiah 31 and Isaiah 59, 21, all of these promises principally are saying a day is coming when my people will no longer try to strive and follow me out of, just from external means and measures, but when I send the Spirit, there's gonna be an inner resource, there's gonna be inner power, there's gonna be an inner pro- propelling grace that's actually gonna make them want to follow me and obey me, and that's called the indwelling Holy Spirit. How many believe that? I know life is still hard, but if he gets your heart, you now have a, heaven's resource to actually want to follow the thing he's saying follow and obey. I love Pentecost, because this is what happened. He, he ripped out their stony hearts, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 7. He ripped out their sinful, stony hearts. He put a brand new flesh heart that had his law and his ways and his will and his wisdom etched on the inside. And so now it's not like Peter, but didn't you just deny him 50 days earlier? It's Peter, whoa, what got into you? Well, what got into me is God's new covenant heart and empowering, indwelling Holy Spirit. It's the difference maker, <laughs> And some of us, maybe we've not been born again. You say, Chad, I kind of try to follow. I'm not saying struggle is not a part of the journey because it is. But there's a difference between struggling your whole life and then actually asking, Lord, have I been born again? Have you given me the promise of a new covenant heart where I actually want to follow you and you'll give me power to do it increasingly more and more every single day? There's a difference. He wants to come to you suddenly and write his law on your hearts and on your minds. But when Pentecost came, it wasn't, ooh, this is scary. Only let one guy experience it. Look what happens to the crowds. Those who are staying in Jerusalem were under, every nation under heaven, when they heard the sound, they were bewildered because each of them heard in their own language the, the wonders of God being proclaimed. Moses and Aaron were the only spokesmen for Israel, but here all of them are filled with the Holy Spirit, the superiority of the giving of the Holy Spirit. And they were able to communicate in languages they've never learned because of the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. At Sinai, only one man got to go up in the fire, rumbling and smoke, but here all 120 have a mini Sinai 2.0 encounter with the Holy Spirit. The fire, the wind, the shaking. Do we see this? The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This is what happened at Pentecost. How how epic is this? The giving of the law, if you fast forward the story, and I'm almost done. 
what happened after Moses went up and had to go get, like, the tablets, the golden calf? The giving, this is so prophetic. Check this out. So what happened? Moses comes down from the mountain. He's like, what are you, revelry. He's like, what are you doing? Moses, Aaron's like, I have no idea. I just threw golden fire and a calf came out. <laughs> sure, Aaron. Okay. Great leadership, bro. Um, but what's significant is God sent his judgment. This, again, this represents the, the, the law dispensation. And what happened? 3,000 were killed. The Levites, this is when the Levites got brought into a special place in God's priestly economy. Dead serious. It was the Levites who got the swords and said, I know they're our brothers, but your wrath has to be released on your people. 3,000 were killed around Sinai. 3,000 are added around Pentecost Sunday. You see, that's the giving, the letter and the giving of the Spirit. You see that? The baptism of the Spirit is when he takes the external law and writes it as your inner reality. This is Pentecost, man. It's so significant for us. Isn't that awesome? 3,000 killed, Levites. Moses was like, you guys had zeal for God. You have a special place from here on out, Levites. It's the first time. Read it. But here, they're utterly amazed because they all hear Galileans speaking a multiple, multiplicity of languages declaring what God has done through his son, Jesus. And they are just shocked. Oh, Yes, there's mockers. Okay, we'll skip all. That's all good stuff. Maybe we'll do one more, and maybe I'll do Pentecost Part 2 next Sunday because this is going to be relevant forever. <laughs> it's also the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy that sons and daughters would prophesy. How is everybody doing? Is everyone happy? Are we, we're getting in the Word together. You feel the Holy Spirit energizing your heart. Who's hungry for more right now? Just God, come. Do what Chad's talking about, what you fulfilled on that day. Come, Holy Spirit. That's my desire, is that you're provoked to believe the word. So he fulfilled Joel's prophecy. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What happened at Pentecost is now each spirit-filled son and daughter is enabled to prophetically declare from a transformed heart the saving deeds of their King and Messiah, Jesus. How many believe we need sons and daughters to prophesy in this hour? Let me say that again. We don't need sons and daughters to be able to keep up with all the newest social media trends and fads and this, this show, that show. I get it. I have four kids. We need sons and daughters to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to prophetically declare what God has done through Jesus Christ. Prophecy is simply speaking new, a new, new language because your heart, out of, the, out of the overflow of the heart, Matthew 12, 34, the tongue or the mouth communicates so when he changes your heart, he wants to now fill you with his presence and his words so that when you speak, it has a, it's like a sword. People have to make a decision. This is the prophetic anointing. When you're able to declare the wonders of God, you're still Chad, you're still Sean, you're still Mike, you're still whatever, but it's in the spirit your words now have power and have life. This is the prophetic spirit. How many believe we need that? 
We need God to energize our communication. We need God to anoint our words in this hour where we're surrounded by a bunch of words that are clamoring for our affection and attention. And God wants his people to stand up in this hour and to prophesy, to declare his wonders and his glory, to speak the gospel with power and with clarity and precision. This is what they're doing. Aren't you all Galileans? How are we hearing you declare that? You're, we, you, how are we, how is this happening? And I want you to know God wants to confound the proud and the arrogant today just as he did then. He loves to bring the haughty, not hotties like H-O-T-T-Y, the H-A-U-G-H-T-Y hottie, the arrogant and proud. How many believe it's through the mouth of infants he actually wants to set up strongholds around cities that serve as a safeguard against the enemy's camp and plans? How many believe God's ways are way different than our ways? Sons and daughters will prophesy. Even my servants, they're going to prophesy. Male and female, it's for everybody. I want to give you, I want to put my spirit in you so that when you speak, it comes with, with power and anointing and precision. And then last one. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's just stop right there. I don't want to rush. This is, good. this is a good message. I'm not going to rush. I'm not going to rush. There you go. I got four points next Sunday coming at you hot. Pentecost 2.0, okay? I ain't in a hurry. And I don't, for the record, I don't feel rushed, but I feel like that was a lot. That was a 30-minute 30, 30 uh, blast. So just take a deep breath. And just say, come Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to look at what the Spirit does and how it forms a new community. I can't wait for it. I already have it done. (laughs) But I want you to know that the the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, as we'll look at next week, but a sneak peek. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38 through 41, it says this gift, this promise is for you. Say it's for you. It's for your children and all of those far off. We'll get there next week. But who is the Holy Spirit for? It's for you, your children, and all of those far off. God wants to make you and me his dwelling place this morning. How many need their temple cleansed so that he can come to dwell and reside on the inside of you? How many would just say, Chad, I need cleansing. I need washing. One of the things later, if you read in Acts chapter 15, 8, and 9, when Peter's testifying at the, the council, why is it slipping my mind? What is the council called in Acts 15? Ah, I forget what it's called. Hold on a second. Just talk to your neighbor for a second. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Come on, come on. When they decided that no one had to be circumcised, this huge council, why is it totally slipping my mind? Boom, council at Jerusalem. There you go. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> That's so funny. Thank you, Lord. At that epic council, when they're, just, when they're, when they're communicating with each other, what, what do people have to really do to be a part of God's people? And the Jewish people are like, they need to be circumcised. They need to obey certain things. And the, the disciples are like, no way. None of us could obey that. Why would we put that heavy yoke of bondage on their shoulders? None of us could live under that weight. 
And Peter gets up and he looks back to Pentecost and here's what he said happened. In Acts chapter 15, verse eight and nine, since I already pulled it up, I'll read it so you don't think I'm lying. Peter got up. God who knows the heart, there it is, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them for he purified their hearts by faith. One of the Holy Spirit's favorite ministries is to bring purity, to restore innocence, to bring cleansing. How many are thankful that you don't have to wallow in your shame or your sin? If you're in any of that this morning, a habit, a snare, a stronghold, the Holy Spirit wants to purify your heart by faith. Aren't you thankful for that? And so if you want God to just baptize you afresh with the Holy Spirit and fire, could you just stand on your feet and you would say, man, I want to be one of those 120 in the upper room, just a fresh infilling, a fresh work of purification on the inside. And just right now, if the Holy Spirit brings up any competition on the inside of you, any snare, any idol, any unconfessed sin, right now for 30 seconds, just say, Lord, if there are idols of competition that are taking up space that you declare is your space, right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and break through that idol? Break off that stronghold. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Just do business with the Lord right quick. Just talk to him. your temple. Just tell him that little prayer. Make me your temple, Holy Spirit. Come and cleanse all my sin. Wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. Come and fill me. Just tell him that. Come and fill me. Come reside inside of me. me with your love. Lord, every idol, let it just bow its knee right now to the reality of the indwelling spirit. Every sin that feels just unbearable, Lord, let it just be washed away in the river of your love right now, Holy Spirit. Come reside, Lord. Come abide. Come anoint. Come and fill your temple, Lord baptize your people afresh and anew this this morning, we pray.
Here's this really beautiful framework. If you'll look at the screen, number one, how do I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Submit yourself to God. Number one, God wants total dominion. So verbally give it to him right now. Just say, God, I submit myself to you. I submit myself to you. And then number two, confess and renounce any and all sin. He's called the Holy Spirit for a reason. And he wants to totally clean our vessel. So any sin right now, just begin to renounce it, confess it to him, and receive full cleansing. And number three, receive the full forgiveness of Christ. Just say, I receive full forgiveness and full cleansing this morning. I love this. Number four, God wants to take back any ground that you've given over to the enemy. How many are thankful for that? So any place that you, that you know the enemy has snuck back in and has begun to occupy, just say, Holy Spirit, fill that place. Expel the enemy, any demonic oppression, any demonic influence, any, any snares that I've given the enemy access to, would you slam those doors right now in the name of Jesus? We want to break off any and all bondage from the evil one. And just say, God, take back the ground that alone belongs to you on the inside of me, in my heart, and in my mind, and in my body. And then just put your hands out and just say, I receive the fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would come and you would just baptize us like you promised you would, Lord. The gift, the fresh infilling of God. Lord, if some of my friends have been living on a trickle when you've offered them a river, I pray that you would just, just overwhelm us with your presence this week, this morning. And just say, I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I just thank you for the work you're doing in us as we transition and we go celebrate baptism. Lord, what better way to celebrate than what they did on that Pentecost Sunday when those who responded to the gospel in that audience, 3,000 were baptized. They were immersed into the waters with your Jesus. They identified that their old life was dead and buried, and they were raised with Christ to serve you in the newness of life. And so, Holy Spirit, thank you for just filling our church in the name of Jesus today, filling your church all over the earth, all over our region, all over our city. Lord, baptize us afresh and anew with the Spirit's presence and power. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said amen. And just really quick, just because I feel provoked to do it, I always want to pray for the sick. If there's anything in your body that needs a touch from God, can you just lift your hands? Don't be shy. Anything in your body. If you're by someone that has a hand raised, put your hand on them. Part of what having the Spirit in us is that the ministry of Jesus can easily flow from us. And the principally, the ministry of Jesus is healing. <laughs> so if someone's hand was raised, put your hand on the shoulder and just say, in the name of Jesus, Heal my sister or brother, whoever raised their hand. Just say, Lord, let your healing power flow right now through the body of Christ. Right now, Lord, all that the enemy is meant for harm, 
You have power over sin, over sickness, over Satan, over hell, and over death. You went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, Jesus, because the Father was with you. So, Lord, I just pray you'd release your power over our body right now. Bring healing to bones, to joints, to muscles, to sinews, to eyes, to ears, to backs, to hearts. Diabetes, Lord, we just thank you. You are Lord over all of these things. We just thank you for your virtue flowing through the body right now. All of the virtue of Christ flowing through the body of Christ right now. In Jesus' mighty name, we receive infilling and we receive healing by faith this morning. In Jesus' name, we said amen and amen.